Good morning again. Oh, man, love it. I just love seeing our youth with their Bibles, and uh, we're in our confirmation class right now, and some of those youth have their Bibles, and if not, we give them Bibles, and it really makes a difference for them to see you with your Bible. I mean, I know we have them in the pews, and that's great, but it's great to see you with your Bibles. We continue our series on Daniel, Dare to Be a Daniel, and this morning we're looking at writing on the wall. And we are in Daniel chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Now, just so you get a little backdrop, we are now moved on from King Nebuchadnezzar, and we're in his grandson or great-grandson. We're not sure quite exactly which. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem, so the king and his nobles, his wives, his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles and his wives and concubines drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver and bronze, iron and wood and stone. Suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale, and he was so frightened that his knees knocked together and his legs gave way. The king called out for all of his enchanters and astrologers and diviners to be brought and said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck, and he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom." Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king what it meant. So King Belshazzar became even more terrified, and his face grew more pale. His nobles were baffled. Then the queen, hearing his distress, intervened. O king, live forever, she said. Don't be alarmed and don't look so pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. King Nebuchadnezzar, your father... Your father, the king, I say, appointed him chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. This man, Daniel, whom the king called Belshazzar, was found to be of keen mind and knowledge and understanding and the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. Wow. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts and minds this morning. Well, <laughs> Halloween is almost here. It's trunk or treat tonight, so uh, not too scary a chance. Well, some of the scary is the booze, so, uh, but we'll be in the fellowship hall. We'll always enjoy showing hospitality to all the community neighborhood as well as our church family and just enjoy that time. And, uh, and I enjoy Halloween, too. It's sort of a fun holiday, right? And I mean, honestly, it's Bible Sunday and Reformation Sunday, but Halloween always takes the bill, doesn't it? And Savannah and I are moviegoers, movie watchers, not just at the movies, but at home. And when it comes to Halloween, we always have this debate. <laughs> she wants to watch scary movies, and I don't, okay? I just like, you know, if it's a little bit scary, I'm good, you know, I'm good with a little scary. But I, I, when it comes to, like, the hacker stuff, you know, the, you know, 
I like computer hackers. I find that more, it's probably more scary in our world today than the other kind of hackers, right? So it's like, oh man, let's just have a fun Halloween movie, right? Any other people? I just, I just think there's enough sadness and frankly fear in the world uh, without all that. But I get it, Halloween is a fun part of that. But if you like scary stories, this may be one of the scariest stories in all of the Bible. I mean, seriously, legs are knocking, people are shaking. Wow. So I invite you to back into this story. And as I said, we're in Babylon, and King Nebuchadnezzar has defeated in battle Egypt, and then he defeated the Assyrians, laid siege to Jerusalem, took away at first the first time, 10,000 of the best and brightest, later even more. He's taken Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to Babylon, and his goal was to educate them with the ideas and values and identity of his culture, and then send them back to rule in their countryside uh, with his values. And uh, that strategy was so interesting. And their first reaction was to rebel, but they received a letter from home, from Jeremiah the prophet. And Jeremiah encouraged them and told them to do four things, which was to live and settle there, to build relationships instead of stirring rebellion, uh, but to keep strong values, to be salt and light in the world, to be a blessing to their enemies, which was really radical, but God would work through that and finally to trust God. And he gives them that great promise, um, for I know the plans for you declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. One of my favorite Bible verses. And so Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego began with a tiny test to build towards the bigger battles. Uh, The first were tests that had to do with diet, right? And sometimes God builds us through those tiny tests, but then to the bigger battles, which became dreams down the road, and then a fiery furnace. And then Daniel stood before King Nebuchadnezzar with this idol and challenged the king. And then finally, the king was brought down in a chapter of pride in his life to eat like one of the cattle of the field for seven seasons, probably a year and three quarters, most people think. And then from all that, from that pride cometh before a fall, but the fall led to faith. And sometimes God uses falls to bring us to faith. And his kingdom was in chaos after that. And uh, not long after that, about the mid part of the 500s BC, King Nebuchadnezzar died, and his kingdom was thrown into chaos. And there were a number of successors that were his sons and grandsons. So the Hebrew term uh, father also means grandfather, great grandfather. But uh, it's an interesting list of um, of people. Uh, the first one was Evil Merodach. How about that to name one of your kids? I mean. Uh, you can sort of see the state of Nebuchadnezzar. Name your kid evil. Wow. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, um, and then Nabonidus, and then Belshazzar, which sounds a little like Daniel's name that was used in Babylon, doesn't it? And so into this moment, we have this uh, probably a grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, and he hasn't really learned the lessons of his grandfather or great-grandfather. You know, that pride cometh before a fall, and a fall can lead to faith in the right moment. And like many scions that are wealthy and powerful, he turns to partying and a life of partying is entertaining his friends. When he should have been praying for wisdom and how to rule, he was partying. And boy, partying versus praying. You know, there's a time and place for a party, but you know, if that's all your life, then that's a problem. There's time to pray. And he's having this big party and all of a sudden, this hand appears and starts to write on the wall. And man, was he scared. Wouldn't you be? I would be, 
right? And it says, many, many, tekel, parson. Many, many, tekel, parson. I always wonder if that's where it comes from. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo, catch a sailor, buys, the, I don't know, but it, Meeny, meeny, tekel, parson, and he's scared out of his mind. No one knows what it means. They kind of know what the words mean, at least two of those words. And so he starts to call all the magicians and astrologers and diviners of the land because he's in trouble and he's scared and he knows this is a a life-defining moment. (laughs) You know, a god of some sort wrote with human hand on the wall. And finally, in desperation, his grandmother or mother Whoever it was in that moment said, listen, your grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, had a man that exceeded all of them in wisdom. He was in touch with the gods. He was in touch, and in his heart right, a man of prayer. Call Daniel. Man, would that we today live lives that were so straightforward and standing for the truth. Men and women of the word. Men and women of the word men and young people of the word. And so they call Daniel. And Daniel looks at the wall, at the writing on the wall. Man, haven't you heard that saying before? The writing, read the writing on the wall, right? There it is in front of them, but they don't know what it means. And it's interesting because the meaning is this. Meaning, meaning, tekel, parson. So meaning meant money, some kind of coin, right? But the play on that is this. Daniel says, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. You think it's all about money, but your days are numbered and are about to end, basically. Meany, meany, money, money. Tekel is this. You've been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Now, this was a unit of measure, a tekel. The scales that you thought that mattered most in life do not matter in God's eyes, in the eyes of eternity. And finally, Perez. The kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persian. The Perez was a word used for the Persian. And that very night, King Darius the Mede entered the city. We are told that the people of Babylon thought things were so bad that they opened the gates for Darius the Great. And he took control and killed that king that very night. Well, those are words of judgment that none of us would want to hear, and they came true. Wow. And you think about the writing on the wall and God's word in our own lives. And just to be honest, I mean, there are times when God's word is a word of judgment, because that's the way it is. The Ten Commandments will stand for all time. But God's Word is also a fountain of life. As we read this morning, as we give these young people their Bibles, how can you set your life free? Well, run in the paths of God's Word. You don't have to walk. You don't have to tiptoe. Run, because you can trust God's Word that's a way of life. But how many times I've seen the tragic meltdown and breakdown when people haven't followed God's Word? And, And don't get me wrong, just like Nebuchadnezzar, many times a fall leads to faith. But many times, God is so patient, so willing to wait for us, we think it doesn't matter if we do the right thing. Maybe we think justice doesn't really matter. We don't think kindness doesn't really matter. We don't think that love that sees no bounds doesn't matter, but it does. 
It does in the eyes of eternity. Don't ever be mistaken that God's word is past. Don't ever be mistaken to think that God's word is not true. God's word is true. I had a pastor growing up. We used to laugh when he said this all the time because he said it all the time, but he used to say, now listen, if this is rubbing you the wrong way, then maybe you need to turn around and go the other way. <laughs> and you know what? He's right. <laughs> not because of what I said, but because of what God said. God's not going to turn around for you. God's word stands true. God's word stands for all eternity. And it's so much better to be with our young people in their moments of celebration when they follow the word. And I see young people, and, and I do see pe people who have made mistakes in life, and God heals them, forgives, and it's a moment of grace and beauty. But I also love to see young people that follow the way of God all along the way. And their heart is just bright, and it's bubbling, and it's full, and they don't have some of the hurts and wounds that so many of us have. You know, and I've seen other moments where my heart breaks where someone has just destroyed their life or someone else's life. And, and you know, in the eyes of eternity, it's all in God's hands, but you weep and just say, oh, man, I wish they would have done the right thing. I wish they would have done the right thing. And you felt those moments too. And we as parents and grandparents, and just as the family of faith, we have an obligation to live before our young people and before all people in our world today as men and women who follow the Word of God, who drink from the river of life because we know that God's Word is true and we can trust God's Word and believe it all along the way. It's so much better to see that kind of writing on the wall than the kind that this king saw. But God's Word is always true. Today we're going to focus, though, and end on that note. God used this moment in Daniel's life Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and other people that we don't have the light shining on, to do exactly what Jeremiah challenged them to do. They lived and settled there. They built relationships. Sometimes it was good, sometimes not so good, but they were salt and light in the world because they kept strong values, because they followed God's word. And they were a blessing. There are times they were a thorn in the side, because they were supposed to be. But that's what God needed them to be so that God's truth would go forth. And they trusted God because God was using them. And in that moment when the people opened the gate of the capital city of Babylon, and Darius the Great, who became the first world empire ruler, came through, he didn't know it. But we'll see next week that he was about to meet Daniel he was going to be manipulated at first, but he was about to meet Daniel, and his life was about to be changed. And he would declare a proclamation that went through the entire known world that proclaimed God's word. Because these young people stood for what was right. And I pray today that you and I and all of our young people would do exactly that, that we'll stand for what's right and we'll realize what the weight of eternity is, and that God is at work in all of our lives today. I love the words that Jeff just read from his dusty Bible. <laughs> it's good to have a sense of humor. Paul, in his final letter, 
running from prison in Rome, about to go before Caesar to give his testimony, writing to Timothy and to all of us, but to his young son in the faith, whom he's mentored along the way, has challenged him, and part of his challenge is this. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe, knowing from whom you have learned it, how from your childhood you've known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. God was at work in Timothy's life, a work that began by Timothy's mother and grandmother, Lois and Eunice, sharing with Timothy the word and the love of God, because the two go together. And then Paul came along and mentored Timothy in the faith to become a young man, a young leader in the church that touched people's lives as a pastor of a number of churches, as well as accompanying Paul on the missionary trips. And now Paul is passing on the baton of faith to young Timothy. Who are you encouraging in the faith today? Either as a parent, a mother, father, grandmother, grandfather, or just a mentor in the faith that you are nurturing in God's word, showing them the light and how important it is. Well, this is Reformation Sunday. It's Bible Sunday. And Reformation Sunday and Bible Sunday kind of go together because Reformation Sunday started the Reformation, right, with Martin Luther. We think of Martin Luther, who in the midst of a lot of uh, the church had gotten off course because it didn't listen to God's Word, started kind of making things up, shooting from the hip. And uh, Martin Luther called him out on it, right, and started a, a moment in time by nailing a 99 thesis on the door of a church in Wittenberg and Castle there that rippled through time and eternity. And make no mistake, the Catholic Church is now its own Reformation, so this is not about Protestant versus Catholic. This is about a moment in time where someone stood for the truth. And Martin Luther, by reading Scripture, because he was said, you know, you're having some problems, maybe I need to go and do some scholarly work, like translate Scripture. <laughs> he started studying the Word and went like, you know, wow. He had some wow moments there, which all of us can have, not just Martin Luther. And he said three things that shook the empire and the world that still reverberate through time. He said, sola scriptura, sola fide, and sola gratia. By God's word alone, we find faith alone in Christ by God's grace. Scripture alone, faith alone, grace alone. Sola scriptura, sola fide, sola gratia. For the glory of God also. And on Bible Sunday, on Reformation Sunday, we pass that along. But hopefully not just that Sunday, this Sunday, but every day of our lives. As men and women of faith, we stand on God's Word as truth. I know some parts of it are hard and we struggle with that. It's okay. Through struggle, you'll find growth. But let me tell you, you can stake your eternal life on the Ten Commandments. Pretty clear, okay? Or the Beatitudes, or a host of other ones. So start with what you know and understand, and then work your way through the rest of it. You can find life. Just like Psalm 119 says, it goes through the ABCs of faith and God's Word. As a young person, you can trust that God's Word is a lamp for your feet and a light for your pathway. 
that you can run in the past and know that you are okay in life. And everything may not go your way, but you'll know that God's Spirit is with you, that you're following God's plan and purpose, and God has the power to see you through. So today, God's Word doesn't have to be (laughs) the writing on the wall. There's a moment of judgment because justice wasn't followed. You can follow the simple words that I just love so much in Micah 6, 8. What what does the Lord require but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? That's pretty easy. It's a lifetime of work, but it's easy. Or just to treasure, as Paul said, God's Word, because you can can trust it. But God's Word is the Word of, of life, of forgiveness, of grace. So follow it. Don't wait till things are tumbling down. God will find you there. But look up to God right now. In this moment, in this hour, know that God is calling you forward and knowing that, that you, just like Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego, whether you're young or old or wherever you are in life, Daniel, at this point, by the way, was old. He was no longer a young man. But God used him in every phase of life, just like God can use you in every phase of life. And so I challenge us today to rediscover God's Word as we celebrate giving Bibles to our youth. I hope you also dust off your own Bible and... Uh, Find those favorite promises. And if you don't have any other one that's a favorite of yours today, then find some. Oh, I love that one that Jeremiah breathed across miles and miles of desert sand into these young people in Babylon, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Those words are every bit as much yours as Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Bendigo, and therefore your kids too. Will you join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you for Bible Sunday. We thank you that whatever fears that we have in the world, there really are some fears in the world that, that your word comes shining through. For it is a lamp for our path and a light for our pathway. So, Lord, help us to follow your word and know that your spirit strengthens us along the way of life. Help us to know that whatever hurts and wounds that we have, whatever questions that you have, that your word will guide us. And your love, through your living word, Jesus Christ comes to us to forgive us, to renew us, to lead us in all of life. We pray this in Christ's name and all God's people said, amen.